You're listening to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans on Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Welcome back to The South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast by Ohio State fans for Ohio State fans from the West Coast. I'm your host, Zach Moore. Today is Sunday, November 28th, and I'm here to recap the Buckeyes' extremely disappointing 42-27 butt-whooping, which they suffered at the hands of the Michigan Wolverines in the snow at the Big House yesterday. Now, look, there were a couple of bright spots for Ohio State, but overall, there just wasn't much at all to like about the performance from a listless, lifeless Buckeye team that was outclassed in virtually every phase of the game by Jim Harbaugh's Wolverines. I'll start with what for me are two major takeaways from this game. First, never underestimate the impact injured pride and bulletin board material can have on a game like this. Ohio State provided a ton of bulletin board fodder over the last 18 months for Michigan, which really helped fuel that performance by the Wolverines yesterday. Chief among them was the we're going to hang a hundred on him comment from Ryan Day, which was referenced several times in the postgame by Michigan players, including star defensive end Aiden Hutchinson. There was also a video from earlier this week making the rounds on Twitter of freshman defensive tackle Tyleek Williams stomping on a J.J. McCarthy Michigan jersey that was also mentioned in the postgame by Michigan. And while nobody currently a part of the Ohio State program was quoted publicly about the cancellation of last year's game because of a COVID outbreak at Michigan. You did have Kirk Herbstreet, a former Ohio State player, saying several days before the game was canceled that Michigan would, quote, wave the white flag. And of course, all offseason, Ohio State fans and many Ohio State fan sites accused Michigan of ducking the Buckeyes last year. So a lot of material to really fuel Michigan, fuel their fire. They, they had a massive disrespect card to play in this game. And when the post game yesterday, Michigan head coach Jim Harbaugh took a thinly veiled shot at Ryan Day saying, quote, some people standing on third base think they hit a triple and they didn't, end quote. Harbaugh, who was forced to swallow his pride during the offseason by taking a huge pay cut and agreeing to a lower buyout in his contract and revamping his coaching staff really earned that moment. Now, he's going to have to live with the bulletin board material that comment will provide to the Buckeyes when the game returns to Columbus next year. But for now, Harbaugh and Michigan enjoy the bragging rights, and they are very well positioned to earn the program's first playoff berth with a winnable game against Iowa in the Big Ten title game next Saturday. So what else can I say? Congratulations to Jim Harbaugh. Congratulations to Michigan. My second big takeaway from this game, Ryan Day must revamp his defensive coaching staff this offseason and start making excellence on that side of the ball a priority. Day's plan for the Ohio State defense since Jeff Halfley left after the 2019 season has been an utter failure. All the defensive issues that plagued the Ohio State defense in the Oregon game, which many of us thought the Buckeyes had fixed, reared their ugly head again yesterday. The Ohio State front seven was a no-show, the defensive line in particular. The Buckeyes did not record a single sack or tackle for loss. According to Pro Football Focus, the Ohio State defense had only three pressures on Michigan quarterback Cade McNamara. Only one of them was from a defensive lineman. 
The Michigan power running game ran roughshod over the Buckeyes front seven to the tune of 297 yards on 41 carries for an average of 7.2 yards per carry. Michigan running back Hassan Haskins finished the game with 169 yards rushing and five touchdowns. It was the most rushing yards for Michigan against an Ohio State defense since the 1995 Tim Biakabatuka game. Wow. After Ohio State briefly took a 10-7 lead in the second quarter, Michigan would score touchdowns on five straight possessions. Now, I'm not going to count the one play Michigan ran at the end of the second quarter to run out the clock before halftime. And they scored those touchdowns on five straight possessions, mostly by running the ball right down Ohio State's throat. Though Michigan did get a few timely plays in the passing game from Cade McNamara, going mostly straight at freshman cornerback Denzel Burke. It was a rough day for Burke yesterday, but credit to McNamara for taking advantage of his opportunities in the passing game. He was very effective. You know, adding to what was a devastating Michigan running attack uh, with some timely plays in the passing game. What was most frustrating about what we saw from the high state defense yesterday is that, look, they knew what was coming and they were powerless to stop it. There didn't seem to be any meaningful halftime adjustments by the Ohio State defensive coaching staff. Josh Gaddis, the Michigan offensive coordinator, looked very much like Oregon offensive coordinator Joe Moorhead yesterday. I mean, everything he dialed up worked. And it was easy, easy yards, easy completions for Cade McNamara. Everything was working in the run game, both between the tackles and on the perimeter. I talked to Paige after the game, and he likened what we saw to a basketball game where, you know, your opponent is getting dunks and layups while you're trying to make contested 18-foot jump shots. That's really what it felt like for Ohio State. I mean, nothing came easy. For them and everything, seemingly everything for Michigan came easy. So here we are, second year in a row. Ohio State's championship hopes were ended by an abysmal performance by the defense that was utterly hopeless to stop Alabama in the national title game last year and the Michigan power run game yesterday. In both games, the Buckeyes were soft up front, they looked slow, they were often out of position. It's time for Ryan Day to prioritize defensive excellence. You cannot win a championship with a defense ranked in the lower half of the FBS. And there is no reason Ohio State should settle for being ranked in the lower half of the FBS in many defensive categories. The talent, the money, all the resources are there to build a championship-level defense. And I expect Ryan Day will leverage all of those resources this offseason to make major changes to the defense. I think starting with his staff, look, I don't think Kerry Combs will be back. I think he's going to leave of his own accord. I really don't know what Ohio State is getting from Al Washington. I, I don't know what Washington brings to the table. The linebackers were mediocre to bad all season. I don't think Washington has distinguished himself as a, a, a position coach at Ohio State uh, at all. Uh, you know, you had, uh, you know, several linebackers enter the transfer portal during the season. I don't know what happened with Taraja Mitchell. Uh, Mitchell came into the program as the number two inside linebacker in the 2018 class. And, uh, you know, he's done nothing at Ohio State. I mean, some of that has to fall on Washington. I don't see how you bring Washington back next year. And linebacker play for Ohio State has been a major problem these last two seasons. Well, maybe not so much last year. They were a little better. 
but certainly a major problem this season. Matt Barnes, I don't believe he's ready to call a defense at this level. I mean, I think that's what yesterday showed us. Uh, now, I do think he did a decent job of putting a, a Band-Aid on Ohio State's defensive issues that helped them win 10 games this season, helped them climb up to number two in the in the college football playoff rankings. But, uh, you know, look, I think he should, be, he should probably be back in some capacity next season. But Ryan Day needs to find a bona fide defensive coordinator next season. He needs to find another Jeff Halfley. That should be his number one priority this offseason. Okay, so now to the game itself and, you know, what I liked and what I didn't like. Let's start with the conditions. Uh, they, they could not have been more perfect for Michigan. I mean, it was Jim Harbaugh's wet dream, temperatures in the high 20s, snow, a rabid home crowd. I got to give credit to the Michigan fans. They were a major factor all day. And the game started exactly as Michigan had hoped it would. I mean, the entire first half was played at Michigan's pace. They had the Ohio State defense on its heels most of the half. The Ohio State offense and special teams were complicit with mental mistakes and penalties. And with the exception of Bryson Shaw's first quarter interception of Cade McNamara at the Ohio State two-yard line, I think Michigan played pretty much a perfect half. Yet, they only led by one point, 14-13 at the half with the Buckeyes set to get the ball at the start of the third quarter. All things considered, I thought Ohio State was in decent shape if they could cut out mental mistakes, the false start penalties, that sort of thing, and make some adjustments on defense to the Michigan power running game, which, you know, as we know now, they weren't able to do. So I, the first major thing I didn't like from an X's and O's standpoint was, and it was a major disappointment for me, was just another complete no-show from the Ohio State defensive line. I referenced it earlier. The the defensive line is supposed to be the strength of this defense. I mean, there is five-star talent all up and down that unit. Tyreek Smith, uh, you know, Zach Harrison, JT Tui Malowau, and others, Pascal Garrett. I mean, this was a good, this is a good talented Ohio State defensive line. Those are future NFL players. I I just don't know how they they were such a non-factor yesterday. I mean, you got to give some credit clearly to the Michigan offensive line. That's probably going to be a finalist for the Joe Moore Award. They played extremely well. But for an Ohio State defense to register zero tackles for loss, zero sacks, and only one quarterback pressure from the defensive line in a game of this magnitude is inexcusable. Inexcusable. The Ohio State defensive line just did not compete yesterday. They were not ready to play, and they did not compete. Now, I was concerned about the performance of the Ohio State defensive line two weeks ago against Purdue. They were a no-show in that game as well, and the Buckeye pass rush received its lowest grade of the season against Purdue. Uh, that's from PFF. It was a grade of 51.9. They were credited with only one quarterback pressure on Purdue quarterback Aiden O'Connell, who lit them up for 390 yards passing and four touchdowns. You even had a lousy Purdue rushing offense even run the ball decently against Ohio State that day, averaging just under five yards a carry. The Ohio State defense was only able to, to force two Purdue punts in that game. And look, all of that lousiness was excused away by many of the experts. I was very concerned about that. And I wasn't sure that boded too well for Ohio State moving forward. Now, I guess I I was kind of talked into excusing it away myself uh, after the performance against Michigan State, but there were ominous signs, I think, starting with that Purdue game of what was to come against Michigan. 
53.1 was the grade for the Ohio State pass rush yesterday against the Wolverines. Again, it was non-existent. And the only thing that was worse than that, though, was the run defense, which pro football focus graded 46.1. It was Ohio State's worst grade for run defense of the season by far. Uh, Their run defense grade against Oregon was 53.7. That was previously Ohio State's worst. I mean, by comparison, that looks like actually a pretty good grade. The lack of a pass rush and zero resistance against the Michigan run game, which again averaged 7.2 yards per carry, falls on the defensive line. They had their asses handed to them by the Michigan offensive line. That There is really no other way to say it. The second thing I didn't like, the equally bad, listless performance by the Ohio State offensive line. Again, you got to give credit to Michigan. Of course, you got to give credit to Aiden Hutchinson, David Ojabo, and that Michigan defensive front. I mean, I was totally wrong about this matchup. They were awesome. I truly believe this is going to be a strength on strength matchup and that Ohio, that the Ohio State offensive line would be good enough to earn a stalemate in the trenches against Michigan. But instead, that unit, with all of its experience and five-star talent, just killed the Ohio State offense with what I believe was five false start penalties and a holding penalty that was nullified, or that nullified a C.J. Stroud touchdown run The offensive line received by far its worst PFF grade of the season for pass blocking of 33. Their previous low of 40.3 was in the opener against Minnesota. According to PFF, the Michigan defense finished with a staggering 31 quarterback pressures. 31. I mean, that's insane. Aiden Hutchinson finished with 15 of those pressures. And he, of course, sacked CJ Stroud three times. And while it was Ohio State's worst pass-blocking performance of the season, by far, it was not their first poor performance of the season. The offensive line had trouble protecting Stroud, both against Penn State and Nebraska. So again, there were signs, which many of us overlooked, that against a good pass rush, Ohio State could be in big trouble. I think there's good reason now to question moving Thayer Mumford from left tackle to guard so that Dewan Jones could start at right tackle. Man, Jones was terrible yesterday. He finished with his lowest PFF grade of the season of 53.4. He was flagged three times yesterday. Seemed like Ohio State messed up what was a pretty good thing with Mumford at left tackle and Nicholas Petit Ferrer at right tackle, which was a really good combination in 2020. I think, uh, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty, but there's really good reason to question that move by the Ohio State coaching staff. I'm not sure that uh, down the, the home stretch here that Ohio State had its best combination uh, along the offensive line. Lastly, where was the Ohio State running game yesterday? 64 yards on 30 carries. Now that includes C.J. Stroud's sack yardage, of course, but... Travion Henderson was held to 74 yards on 17 carries and a touchdown, which he barely got across the goal line, by the way. Again, the Michigan defense just contested everything. I mean, Ohio State had to fight and scratch and claw for every single yard. Now, Henderson ripped off a 28-yard run in the first quarter, but he managed only 46 yards on his 16 other carries. That's about 2.9 yards per carry. Now, look, we've talked a lot about Henderson's health on this podcast He's not been 100% for weeks. I mean, that has been pretty clear to me. He does not have the same ability to make guys miss at the second level. He seems to be missing that burst he showed at the beginning of the season. Mayan Williams has been in and out of the lineup all season as well. He was a non-factor yesterday, only 20 yards on six carries. Master Teague, he did not play yesterday, but he's been injured most of the season. So 
you know, Ohio State, I think being nicked up at running back was a factor for sure yesterday. Uh, it, it didn't help that the Ohio State offense was off schedule most of the afternoon, facing a lot of second and third and longs. They trailed by double digits most of the second half and threw the ball a ton trying to get back into the game. And look, when in doubt, Ryan Day is almost always going to lean on his passing game. So not as many opportunities, I don't think, for Henderson in the run game because of those circumstances. I was surprised to see that the offensive line graded out fairly well in run blocking with a grade of 71.4 yesterday because to me it seemed there were not opening many holes for Henderson and Williams. So in the end, you know, I think it was a combination of a diminished player in Henderson, a lot of unfavorable downs and distances, the poor play of the offensive line. Again, I'm not sure I agree with that favorable PFF grade for run blocking and really kind of an uneven game for Ryan Day calling the plays that really conspired to derail the Ohio State running game. And that was clearly a factor. It really forced the Ohio State offense to be one-dimensional, throwing the football, and much easier for the Michigan defense to defend, really playing into Michigan's hands, right? Because that allowed that Michigan pass rush to really pin its ears back and come after C.J. Stroud. So the bottom line is, look, Ohio State lost this game in the trenches on both sides of the ball. I mean, it was a prison movie in the trenches yesterday. I mean, Michigan had their way with Ohio State up front, and that's why the Buckeyes are going to be watching the Big Ten title game on TV for the first time since 2016. Okay, let me turn to what I did like from Ohio State yesterday. I, I want to end on some positive notes here because there actually were a couple of bright spots, starting with C.J. Stroud. Look, the weather conditions, as I mentioned, were far from ideal for throwing the football. And again, Michigan pressured Stroud 31 times, according to PFF. And the offensive line continued to put Stroud behind the chains with untimely false start penalties. Center Luke Whipler twice snapped the ball into the turf. The running game, as I mentioned, was virtually non-existent, 64 yards on 30 carries. I shudder to think what the final score would have been without Stroud and the Ohio State receivers. I mean, Stroud finished with 394 yards passing and two touchdowns against a Michigan secondary that contested just about every single throw. Again, nothing came easy. And other than his receivers, Stroud got very little support from his teammates and from his head coach, again, who I thought called an uneven game offensively. And yet he delivered 400 yards passing almost 400 yards passing, two touchdowns, no turnovers against one of the country's top defenses, and with Aiden Hutchinson in his face all day. I don't know what more Buckeye fans want from C.J. Stroud. Without him, Ohio State is probably an 8-4, and four, but 7-5 and five football team, and he will be one of the big reasons the Buckeyes are a preseason top four team in 2022. Also, what else can you say about the Ohio State receivers? Jackson Smith and Jigba and Garrett Wilson in particular, they combined for 246 yards on 21 receptions. Many of those, again, were highly contested by Michigan defensive backs. You know, they were draped all over Ohio State receivers all day. Wilson's second quarter touchdown catch to give Ohio State its only lead of the game was just pure poetry. And perhaps the only other player in the country that could make a catch like that was his teammate. Jackson Smith and Jigba, who himself made a spectacular catch on fourth down early in the fourth quarter to an extended Ohio State scoring drive, which helped the Buckeyes cut the margin to 28 to 20. Chris Olave was also good, though not quite up to his usual standard. Olave finished with seven catches for 88 yards, but he did drop 
what should have been a touchdown in the first quarter and Ohio State ultimately had to settle for a field goal on that drive. Uh, you know, hey, it was uh, probably the the swan song for for Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. I, I don't know if they will end up playing an Ohio State's bowl game, though Ohio State has been pretty good about getting, you know, all of their draft eligible players to show up and play for bowl games. But I certainly would not blame Wilson or Olave for wanting to sit out a bowl game and get ready for the NFL draft. We might very well have watched their final performance for Ohio State, but what a treat it was to watch uh, Wilson uh, yesterday in particular, Olave again, very good, though not quite up to his usual standard. What a joy it was to watch those two all season long. And of course, Jackson Smith and Jigba, the future is very bright for him. He is the next great, great Ohio State receiver in line. The torch has been passed from Wilson and Olave to him. Uh, but uh, that was another positive that I take away from uh, from this performance yesterday. One other positive that I'll leave you with today, and this is a tweet from the ESPN College Football Twitter account, and it reads, History in Ann Arbor. Here's what Michigan's win did. Ended an eight-game losing streak to Ohio State. Ended the Buckeyes' 29-game win streak against the Big Ten. Ended the Buckeyes' 21-game win streak against ranked Big Ten teams. And the first Big Ten team to ever beat Ryan Day. To me, that tweet puts both the magnitude of Michigan's win yesterday and Ohio State's dominance over the Big Ten into perspective. And I actually, reading that tweet, I actually felt, you know, overall pretty positive about where the program is. Look, this was a disappointing result. You know, if you look on Twitter, you've got some fans that want to just tear the program down. Uh, but consider how, how, badly Ohio State has dominated the Big Ten. You know, a 29-game win streak in the Big Ten, a 21-game win streak against ranked Big Ten teams. And this was Ryan Day's first Big Ten loss. You know, hey, Buckeye fans, let's let's put what happened into perspective. You tip your cap to Michigan. And also, I think you can still feel pretty good about what Ohio State has accomplished in the Ryan Day era. So look, let's just keep our chins up. You take the L, Again, you tip your cap to Michigan and you move on. So I've been on record for a couple of years now saying the Ohio State-Michigan rivalry is on life support, right? The Buckeyes had won 17 of 20 going into yesterday. Against Harbaugh, they were 5-0, and winning by an average margin of 19. It was just two years ago in 2019 with Michigan coming off the embarrassment of 62-29 to the year before. They lost again in humiliating fashion, 56 to 27 to the Buckeyes in front of a home crowd that quite frankly seemed indifferent to what was happening on the field. The lasting memory that I'll have of that game was of a Michigan defense that was so hopeless to stop J.K. Dobbins that one of their defensive linemen was flagged for 15 yards for pulling off one of Dobbins' shoes. I mean, the only way Michigan could stop Dobbins was to force him to the sidelines to put his shoe back on. In my mind... One win over Ohio State is not enough to undo all of that. You know, Harbaugh and Michigan still have some work to do before I'm willing to believe this will be a true rivalry again. I need to see Michigan string together a couple more wins in this series first. But after yesterday, this rivalry is definitely off of life support now. And kudos to the Michigan program and to their fans for showing they give a shit about this game again.
Ohio State fans, hey, look, we just want this game to mean as much to Michigan fans as it does to us. So welcome back to the rivalry, Michigan. Okay, finally, look, I'm not entirely sure what Ohio State's bowl fate is going to be, but I suspect if Michigan handles business against Iowa, the Buckeyes are likely Rose Bowl bound, perhaps in a rematch with Oregon. Look, I know it's not the playoffs, but there are worse fates for a pretty flawed Ohio State team than the Rose Bowl. I think that's a game and an experience, if it happens, but I think it will, that if Ohio State takes seriously, could serve as a springboard to a return to the playoffs in 2022. Much as the Rose Bowl to close out the 2018 season was a springboard to a return to the playoffs in 2019. So I'm looking forward to that game. I'm certainly going to watch with great interest. And I think there are opportunities there for Ohio State to really start to right the ship and, and set the right tone for the 2022 season. Okay, that's going to do it for me. I plan to wrangle Chad and Paige for a bowl preview pod sometime after Christmas, most likely. Until then, thanks so much for listening, everyone, and happy holidays. You've been listening to the South Stands, a Buckeye football podcast. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and visit our website at southstandsosu.com.